turned the knob on the door. She thought at first that there were two of them, a man and a woman. From under the roof of the porch, the man, a negro, looked at her with startled eyes, as if unaware that the door upon which he'd been knocking had just pulled back. The woman beside him did not look up. Her skin was pale, and she was biting her lip. Her face was bone bare, with shadows in every rise and dip. Was the woman as lean as she seemed? It was impossible to tell. She was covered in a gray blanket. No, several blankets. Wool, like bedding issued in the war, draped into layers of hoods and capes. The man's arm lay protectively around the woman's shoulders. The widow turned back to the man. He too wore coverings, but they were not the same as the woman's. Used cars, read one. Open till nine, read another. The widow recognized them as large signs from businesses in Wells Bottom. Water was pouring off them, as it was from the sodden wool. Her porch was now a puddle. Dread squeezed the widow's chest. Five years into retirement, she was long past the time when she knew all the faces in Wells Bottom and she did not know these. She should slam the door, call the police. Her husband's rifle was upstairs. Was she agile enough to bound up to their bedroom? But the man's startled look was now melting toward desperation, and she knew they were running from something. The widow's breath came out heavily. She wished she were not alone. Yet they were alone too, and cold and frightened. Who are you? the widow asked. The woman slowly lifted her eyes. The widow caught the movement, but no sooner had she tilted her gaze up. The widow was slight, five feet one, and the woman before her was tall, though not as tall as the man. Then the woman jerked her head back down. Unlike the woman, the man had not acknowledged the widow's voice. But he had noticed his companion's quick gesture and retreat and in response, he gently rubbed her shoulder. It was a touch of tenderness, and even in the dim light that reached the porch from her reading lamp, the widow knew it was a look of caring. Yet she did not know that in a trance of seeing what she'd forgotten she'd once felt herself, her face too revealed so much she was not saying. The man looked back at the widow. A pleading came into his eyes, and he lifted his free hand. The widow flinched, thinking he was preparing to strike her. Instead, he opened his fingers and flicked them toward the inside of the house, like a flip book of a bird flying. That's when the widow realized the man could not hear. Oh, she said, breath expelling her ignorance. Please come in. She stepped aside. The man moved his hands in front of the woman. The woman nodded and clasped one of his hands, and they stepped over the threshold. You must be, are you, please, the widow mumbled, until, as she closed the door, her thin schoolteacher voice finally settled on the proper statement. Let's get you out of those wet things. Immediately, she thought herself foolish. The man could not hear. The woman was focused on the lamp and anyway their backs were to her. As one, they crept across the living room, 
their makeshift raincoats dripping, but the widow couldn't bring herself to say anything. They appeared too relieved to be inside, mindful only of the closeness between them. The man walked with muscular legs protruding from the oversized signs. His was evidently a body accustomed to labor, though why his legs were bare in November the widow could not imagine. As for the woman, the blankets hung too low for a glimpse of anything aside from shoes. Shoes that seemed too large. The woman's gait was uneven, her posture a slouch. Yellow curls whisked out from the woolen hood, and the widow thought, she is like a child. The fire had gone low, and now the widow drew open the fireplace screen and added a log. Behind her, she heard the woman grunt. She turned. The woman was gazing at the fire, and as the widow watched, the woman's face...